This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company from beginning to end and everything in between. I'm your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, and along with these folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, and that is the website where you can find blogs about all the latest goings-on of the Walt Disney Company in motion pictures, cinemas, and all those other places where you can watch movies, Blu-rays, DVDs, Disney Channel, you name it. Uh, we talk about those things over at DisneyFilmProject.com, as well as historical shorts and movies, so make sure you go and check out the website there. As always, I'm joined by the fine film buffs to make up the panel that we have to discuss these films, uh, and what a distinguished panel it is. First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He works at OnTheGo and MCO.com, and he is a noted shapeshifter. Indeed, but I don't turn into dogs. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes, I'll, you know, talking dogs, scary stuff. Yes, most things about uh, about this film were, were scary stuff that we will discuss. <laughs> we have Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find over at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. And Brie, um, were you... Were you an Annette Funicello girl, or were you the the French girl? Which one were you uh, sympathizing with in this one? I was actually neither. Um, neither? Okay. No, I wanted to lean more toward Annette Funicello because her character had a last name similar to mine, Alessio. But, um, so I guess I would go that route. Either way, I want to be a shapeshifter, too. Fair enough. I think that's fair. I don't know what I want to turn into, though. I have to well, I think, I think we'll have work to do to figure that out. Yeah. And, of course, we have our fine producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash Cheryl P3 or on Twitter at Cheryl P3. And, Cheryl, the minute I started watching this movie and saw the transformation of the dog, I immediately thought of Jasper. <laughs> because it's just like a bigger shaggy dog. And I know he's not a, a sheep dog, but he's, he's still shaggy. In a way. He thinks he's that big. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I heard that! <laughs> he doesn't like us talking about him, I understand. I will stick kitty on you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so if you couldn't guess, uh, we are today talking about the 1959 version of The Shaggy Dog. No, not the Tim Allen version. This is Fred McMurray and, and Friends joining in the fun as, as a young boy changes himself into a shaggy dog. Yes, a shaggy dog. Uh, it is one of the more successful comedies from the Disney company. Uh, it was their first live-action comedy. So we've, we've talked about some of the previous live-action films they did, like Rob Roy and Sword in the Rose and some of those things that they did over in England and Treasure Island and those sorts of things. But uh, this is the first live-action comedy and it's something that would become a staple of the Disney company. Uh, but in 1959, they put this one out with primarily some te- folks that uh, had worked with Disney and TV, uh, such as Kevin Corcoran that we talked about, and Toby Tyler playing Moochie in this one. It was a real stretch for him. <laughs> playing the same character he always plays? Yes. <laughs> playing the same exact character that he plays in every film. Except, uh, except, except he didn't play that in Toby Tyler. That was my only argument. That's right. That's the, o- that's the only one. Other than that, he plays Moochie in almost everything else he's in. <laughs> did you know this was Disney's uh, first feature film that was black and white entirely? I didn't. I was wondering why it was. I couldn't figure that out. Because, like, we've watched Rob Roy, and that was in color, and, and this was in 1959 and not. 
I read that it was because uh, Walt had felt the special effects were a little too cheesy to show in color. Okay. I can believe that. So, so to hide <laughs> the shortcomings of the special effects, they kept it black and white. Just to like keep to the simplicity. It, he also felt it was uh, it was less scary for children at black and white also. Yeah, so that's, that's actually something to talk about because this movie came out, like we said, in 1959. And earlier in that decade, um, an American werewolf in London had come out and had sparked this – I don't know if you call it a craze, but just people were terrified by that movie, right? Because – and they even pitched this movie. The poster for this movie came out and said, it's a horror story that will have you laughing or something like that, um, trying to play off the popularity of that film. So this, even even in the movie itself, it somewhat plays like a horror story in certain parts. Yeah, the beginning of this transformation is very frightening. I don't care how old you are. He's just got like a little bit of hair on his head. I'm jumping here, but like he has a little bit of hair on his, on his head and on his ears. It's so freaky. Yeah. Yeah, that's something else to talk about, too, is, like, this is kind of a, a, a playoff of I Was a Teenage Werewolf, which came out earlier in the decade, right? And they, there, it's, I don't know if it, you'd call it a craze, but sparked a whole uh, bit of horror films like that, and this one sort of plays off of that in places, especially, like, his transformation and stuff like that. Yeah, the transformation is very frightening. Um, the way he just, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but the way he just has a little bit of hair on his head and on his ears, it's so freaky. So, you know about the, did you hear about the dog, Sam, at all? No. Okay, so the, the dog's real name is Sam, right? And you have to keep in mind that here's here's a fundamental difference. Uh, if this movie was made today, oh my gosh, it was remade, like, practically today. And um, when they remade the movie, right, they used computer animation to do most of, the, most of the dog stuff and most of the transformation and stuff like that. Here... Right. 90% of the time when you're seeing a dog, it's the actual dog. I can believe that. Okay. Um, so the dog's name is Sam, and he was uh, purchased uh, in, by a police officer, if I remember correctly from what I was reading. And his official real name was Zlibrad Sammy Shadow, okay, for anyone who was interested. And um, he was trained, okay, by uh, the famous William Collier, who... Uh, trained dogs and other animals for many Disney movies, uh, mm -hmm. including Incredible Journey and That Darn Cat, as, as examples. Um, and when Collier brought the dogs to try out, uh, there were a total of 20 dogs, and Sam was picked. That's what happened. Um, now, they didn't expect to be using Sam as much as they did. It was just Sam took so well to doing the movie that they just used him far more than planned. Okay, so one of the things is when they're doing the transformations, they get to a certain point in the transformation, and they'd literally put the dog in the exact same position that Wilby was in. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh. So, so that's actually like not like a mock-up dog. They would get the dog to stand there and stay there so that then they could look like the transformation was like literally identical. Oh. And, you know, okay. things like that. So, um... And that's a long way to get back to your freakiness on the transformations, but, you know. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's it's a crazy movie, though, because there's so many things going on. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about the plot, and wow, was there a lot of it in this one. But there's, it's like, it tries to be a horror movie. It, Like we said, it's really a comedy. Um, and then there's, like, a spy movie embedded, embedded in there somewhere, you know. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> of stuff going on. Um. Well, you know, it's um, it's based on a book that was yes. purchased a lot, named The Hound of Florence, and it was written by Felix Satin, Sultan, Sultan, right? Sultan, Satin. yes, I believe. And uh, it was purchased as part of a package when Walt bought Bambi. Yes, right? and they even reference the book in the movie. They they do, in fact, to the point where essentially the movie is a sequel to the book, if you if you pick up on that correctly. Yeah, it is. Right? You're right. Okay, because here the the story of the book is very simple. Okay, uh, there is a young man in Vienna. He kind of sort of goes over it in the in um, the movie, the professor there. But just really quick, uh, the young man in Vienna. Um, he wants to make it. He makes a wish on his on a ring. Right, the ring was a black magic ring that belonged to the infamous Borgia family. This is actually from the story. 
okay? And you'll see this is also in the movie, right? Okay? And he wanted to turn himself into a dog, into a dog. The reason why is he needed to travel to Florence from Vienna, okay? And he wanted to do it in the Archduke's co coach. So the only way he could steal the bum the ride was to become a dog. That's the essential plot of the movie. Wow. Okay? And at the end of the novel, he essentially is fully human again, okay, so that he can become a famous artist um, and blah, 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 on and on and on. But it's supposed to be the same ring from the book is the same Borgia ring that they have in the movie here. Okay? Gotcha. Um, now, yes, the Borgias uh, were a strange, strange family, and I don't want to get into it too much. Uh, they do mention in the middle of the movie they show a picture of Lucrezia Borgia, right? Yes. And uh, she is an interesting character because she is actually the da daughter of um, a pope, a Pope Alexander the Sixth. Sixth. There we go. So. Yeah, but it's it's it, you're right. It's it's just one of those films that's got like it it, it almost has a, a bajillion different roots too, right? Because it's got the the you've got the the Hound of Florence adaptation, and like you said, this becomes basically a sequel. But then you've got all the different TV stars that they're trying to pack into this. So t Tommy Kirk playing Wilby. You've got Kevin Corcoran who played Moochie. The Net Funicello is in it. You know all these folks that, that Disney's worked with. Paul Frees, who you might know as a, a, a famous voice around the parks, is in here for a few minutes. I mean, it's just packed full of people that that Walt sort of had at the studio, and then this book that he had laying around the studio, it's just, it seems to me like one of those things that they just kind of said, Hey, we have all these ingredients. Let's put something together. Uh, because it's definitely a mixed bag and like almost changes from one movie to another about two or three times. Yeah. Well, it was originally intended to be made for TV as a pilot for a television show, which is probably why they picked all the TV actors that they already had at the time. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. It makes sense. Um, it, did fantastic. That's something we haven't discussed. It's very true. It was a huge hit. Uh, this movie only cost a million dollars to make, but made nine million dollars at the box office. It was the number two movie in 1959 behind Ben Hur. Oh, wow! And 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 as we all know, it's talked in in the same lofty circles as Ben Hur today. Indeed. Yes. I, I often hear I often hear you know the stars of Ben Hur walking around uh, going you know why that dog he almost took our top yes, spot absolutely well, well we all know that the transformation in Shaggy Dog is very similar to the chariot race in Ben Hur so <laughs> absolutely both completely you know memorable and, and part of the overall you know consciousness of American cinema but today the so, car doesn't so, flip over here so pivoting yes. It's true. The card's not flip over. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I mean, like this is one of those, and I don't know if you guys know, or if you guys have experienced this, but this is one of those that, like, as you're, as you're a Disney guy or a, you know, person who watches Disney films like we do, like it's one of those that you hear about all the time. But I had never seen it, and I'm assuming. No, I'm assuming Todd, you had seen I've this seen this movie before, Cheryl. I. Okay. What about you, Bree? I had never seen it before. I haven't seen the remake either. I just had never, honestly, never really had an interest to, as much as I love dogs. And, and Cheryl, what about you? I had never seen this before either, and I regret seeing it now. <laughs> Amen <laughs> to that. I agree. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, I almost feel like I went into it with unfair expectations because it's built up in your mind, right? Like, this is one of the classic Disney comedies. Well, I had seen the remake, so, I mean, I was expecting something totally, like, outlandish and funny and, you know, like, Fred McMurray, like, happiest millionaire-esque. Yeah, you I, know? I'm with you. I was expecting funny. And I was not expecting the the five plots and <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> you mean you were not expecting a spy drama? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so quick story on that, right? So, uh, it, you know, I we typically watch these movies off Amazon Instant Video, um, which is what I did this time. And so I had to travel this time. So I downloaded the movie uh, to the iPad so that I could watch it in the hotel room uh, while I was traveling for work. So I watched the first hour of the movie with my daughter. 
And so it was, you know, I mean, it was slow, but it was still, you know, about the dog and the transformation and all this kind of stuff. And could wasn't able to finish it, took the iPad with me. When I got back to the hotel that night after all my meetings and everything, I flipped it on to finish the movie. And I start watching it, and I'm going, is this the right movie? <laughs> because it's right at the part where the spy drama stuff starts, and I'm going... Yeah. Did I like hit the wrong one by mistake? It's Yeah. So for, I'm assuming everybody knows the basic idea behind this, which is that there's a young boy who transforms into a shaggy dog. But it is so much more complicated than that. <laughs> hard to even describe. <laughs> so the the film sets up with. A basic premise that, like you said, Todd, sounds like a great idea for a TV show. So I, I, when you said that, that clicked in my head, right? Because you have Fred McMurray's character, Wilson Daniels, who's living in this you know, nice house with his wife and his two sons. And his sons are you know, a little crazy. His older son, Wilby, uh, sets off a rocket that blows up through the, through the house and through the roof. <laughs> I, do, I do love that scene. <laughs> That was pretty funny. Yeah. So, really quick, uh, the narrator, who is also Paul Fries, I mean, we, he's, he's actually later in the movie, but the narrator is also Paul Fries. Um, yes. He, he mentions that this is a shaggy dog story, when in fact this is anything but an actual shaggy dog story. Very true. Okay, uh, so um, that's important to know, people. Uh, shaggy dog story involves a whole bunch, where, where you tell a story and you keep saying a thing over and over at the story, and at the very end, you flip it, and suddenly uh, it's no longer actually the case, and everybody, or someone comes in and goes, nah, that's not it, or something. It's very, you know, it's just like, okay, this is not it. Kind of like, really, for really making it simple for people, it's duck season versus rabbit season. That's a shaggy yes. dog story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a rather good, that's a good point, because they, uh, they say that, and then it, it, it is not a shaggy dog story at all. <laughs> but but they set up this whole this whole thing right where you have Wilson Daniels and and his two sons Wilby and Moochie and you know Wilby is a mess because he blows blows a hole through the roof you know but they're living this nice nice quiet suburban life right and he and he has a rivalry with a local kid because he's up patching the roof and he sees Buzz Miller pull in with his hot rod car and he has a rivalry with him over Annette Funicello and then all of a sudden this new girl comes to town, this new French girl with this shaggy dog, right? That's, yes. And the dog runs over to the two of them. They completely ignore Allison and Fincello's character and return the dog to Francesca, <laughs> the new girl. Which I, I'm like, of, of the two of them, if I'm going to make one of them mad, it's not going to be Annette. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, we should we should mention because I don't think we did this. That this is Annette Funicello's first feature film. Yes, for the three and a half minutes that she's in it. Yes, <laughs> for, for a minute of scene, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, she's she's in the dance. So to be fair, the dance is a long scene, unfortunately. Oh, that's true. She is she is in the dance part. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you know what we forgot to discuss is that Dad hates dogs. Yeah, but that's what I was about to say because the dog the dog comes over and of course the dad we, we, we get established hates dogs. So you can see where this is going, right? Like this is a great premise for a TV show. Dad hates dogs. He's got a, a, a best friend who he's also rivals with for a girl. And eventually you know going in he's going to turn into a dog. So you got all of the tension, everything set up for a great TV show. Um, except for the fact that it just gets weird. <laughs> so – it, he's a mailman, and that's why he hates dogs. Yes. Okay. So that's that's where that hate comes from. But I love my one of my favorite things in the whole movie is that every time the dogs come up, he starts getting all itchy, like he has allergies, which of course he never actually breaks out, right? But at this point in the movie, when he sees the big sheepdog, he goes, he goes, his old Pekingese injuries are acting up, which is absolutely yes. to me one of the funniest drop lines in the movie because a Pekingese is like a tiny dog that's even smaller than Jasper. Also, we learned that uh, he is a Bratislavian sheepdog. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a real place. 
Wait, I'm sorry, Bratislava is a real place? Yes, it's the capital Slovakia. Interesting. Okay. They breed these dogs there, I guess? I, I guess. I don't know. Uh, we could not find... Um, Cheryl had me look up that if it was AKC registered, right, Cheryl? And, and we determined that it was not AKC registered, or that we couldn't find it at all mentioned anywhere. So, like, I don't know if it's an actual type of sheepdog, but Bratislava is in place, a real place. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Yes, so, but the, so the sheepdog is named Chiffon. And the sheepdog runs over to Wilby and Buzz, who Buzz is about to take Allison on a date, and of course he blows her off because the new French girl's in town, and they run back over to Francesca's house and, you know, take the sheepdog, return the sheepdog. Allison leaves and goes back into her house in disgust, and we don't see her again for about another 30, 40 minutes in the movie. And while they're sitting there and trying to, you know, chat up Francesca, they see this portrait of, of the Borgia family in the, the art collection that they have. Because apparently the Francesca's family, the, the Andrassis, are quite quite wealthy, uh, and her father is a professor or a, a, I guess we're not really sure what he is. He's a museum curator, I think. Ah, that's right. I think you're correct. That's not what he really is, though. Dun dun. <laughs> Which comes right out of left field later on in the movie, but we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah. So Francesca has to go to the museum, so the boys offer to drive her to the museum, and uh, Wilby sits in the back. And this is where we, like, all of a sudden, we've set up this sort of. 30-minute, you know, sitcom situation. And now we transition into the horror film. <laughs> <laughs> the freaky yes. diorama room. <laughs> yes! Because, so, Buzz and Francesca go wandering off, and Wilby, you know, gets left behind, and wanders into this room of dioramas of basically the Borgias doing horrible things to themselves and other people. That's... Mm -hmm dark and foreboding and scary and he runs into Professor Plumcott <laughs> who is apparently like a, a big fan of the Borgias and has been working on this exhibit for a while and explains that the Borgias were into shape-shifting and the occult mm -hmm. a, a really creepy conversation on top in the creepy room <laughs> yes <laughs> like Bizarrely creepy, like almost like Professor Plumcott is is planning to kill him with the candlestick in the lobby. Yes, <laughs> but I'm not exaggerating, right? Like he is like talking at him, like, "Ah, oh, the Borges like to shapeshift. I might eat your skull." I mean, like that's the way he's talking. To him. turns into a dog anyway, so what's a zombie dog? What's the difference? But yes, yeah, so, so Wilby, of course, is a little freaked out, and starts running out of the room, almost, and trips over this, this collection of jewels and stuff on a table, and helps the professor get him up, but then, you know, runs on home. And so his father, due to the rocket incident, has told him that he has to clean out the basement and get rid of all of his potions and rockets and things, which I might add, probably not a bad idea if you're going to blow a hole through the entire house. So he's downstairs in the basement, and he sees that one of the, there's a ring that has fallen in his the cuff of his pants, because if, if you'll recall, back in the 50s, every kid wore their pants with the cuffs turned up at the bottom. Or at least this is what I understand from watching Disney stuff from the 1950s. So he finds this ring, you know, kind of plays with it a little bit, reads the reads the ring, uh, the inscription on the ring, which reads, "Oh, in canis clopere transmutu." So if we've learned nothing over the decades, when you see freaky-looking rings or stones or things of any kind with inscriptions on them, don't read it out loud, especially. Now, it's like Eddie Murphy says, 
when the, when you walk up to the house and it says, get out, you get out. You don't go to bed in the bedroom upstairs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so as you can imagine, uh, poor Wilby uh, transforms into the shaggy dog in his freaky transformation. And it does look like the werewolf transformations from werewolf films, right? Where he sprouts a little hair and all, you know, next thing you know. I, I feel like werewolf trans transformations are much less scary than this. I think that's fair. I agree. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I watched I watched those classic films like The Wolfman with my dad when I was like eight, and it never scared me. I'm 24 and watched this yesterday, and I was so scared. Oh, I'm thinking of uh, different werewolf movies. I'm thinking Michael J. Fox. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like through the years, yeah. I'm thinking Michael J. Fox, like. Werewolf movies. Yeah, that's not scary. Like Teen yeah, Wolf, I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, this is scarier than Teen Wolf, for sure. Yeah, well, Teen Wolf patterns there changes pretty much exactly after um, I was a teenage werewolf, so... Yes, that's true. Yes. No, this is, this is freaky stuff. I mean, like, it literally is shot and looks like a horror film. <laughs> also, the dog disappears. It's not that he's so much turning into the dog as he and the dog become one. Right. So that was that was the next thing I was going to bring up, right? So we hear this whole thing about the Borges and shape-shifting. This is not him shape-shifting. This is, he actually becomes Chiffon because we repeatedly throughout the movie, Chiffon disappears, like in this case, from the couch where he is in the other, in Francesca's house and reappears as Wilby in the basement of Wilby's house. Also, I have a question. Yes. If Wilby's mind goes into the dog's body. Yes. Right? Or rather, it's more like the dog's body comes and wraps itself around the Wilby's mind, right? I think that's a better way because, like, the dog disappears yes. and then its body appears in Wilby's mind. Is, does that mean that there's a Wilby body somewhere with a dog brain wandering around? So, so here's my thought. I think that, that the will be with the dog brain is in the negative zone, like Rick Jones and Captain Marvel. That's what I think happened. Ah, but they don't have to whack the negabands together. No, they don't. I am not understanding this reference at all. <laughs> That's a 1960s comic book reference for all of you folks out there. Okay. Yeah. Mean? Indeed, indeed. But yes, yeah, so this is so the, so will but will we can talk and he, he manages to get upstairs and you know or he manages to sneak out and go back to the museum to visit Plumcott and and this is where Plumcott tells him the story of the Hound of Florence and basically says you know that in that story an act of heroism is what ended these transformations. Yes. Um, can we discuss the fact that the professor? He's not at all surprised that there's a talking dog that's a kid in front of him. Oh, no. No, not a, not a bit. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even phase him. Because he's evil. In the creepy room. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just like, oh, look, Wilby Daniels, you've turned into a dog. I expected as much. He doesn't say that, but that's pretty much the way he acts. Welcome back to my creepy room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you notice the strangulation I just put in the corner? <laughs> yes, but he tells him that an act of heroism might help him, but that he doesn't know how these transformations are going to work. He might transform a little bit here, a little bit there. You, you never know. And it's no big deal. Although I'm sure to Wilby it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Just a little bit big. A little bit. Yes. Uh, and, and so it's very important, though, to note that on, on, on the way home, Wilby passes uh, police... Detective Police Sergeant Hansen, right? So Officer Hansen, he passes on the way home and says hello to him. The first of many times that he will freak out Officer Hansen throughout the movie. Apparently he has a past with Officer Hansen because he said something about the gang. Uh, it wasn't a gang. Good point. It wasn't a gang. It was, um, there was a wanted poster in the post office and they turned in some dean of some Christian school. 
as the guy on the wanted poster, Will Willby did that, and so it was Officer Hansen that went and made the arrest. Apparently, ah, I see. Okay, but it wasn't it wasn't the dean it wasn't Dean Finder from uh, the Midfield College trilogy, right? No, they specifically said uh, seminary school or something. Not seminary school, but um, whatever you call a religious a Christian religious school. I just don't remember the name they used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so so Wilby makes his way back home, and, and Moochie is you know kind of half asleep and looking at Wilby getting his pajamas on. Which, by the way, Wilby the dog trying to put his pajamas on, creepy. Yes, it's not okay. Wilby the dog brushing his teeth, creepier. <laughs> Agree. We have a winner. There's nothing wrong with good oral hygiene. Even Jasper doesn't like to brush his teeth. <laughs> That's why we have to spray on stuff for Jasper. Yeah, that was that was freaky. And Moochie's like half asleep seeing this, but when he wakes up and he sees that there's a dog, he's all excited because he wants the dog, but of course his father who hates dogs will not let him have one. And so he's he's he helps, you know, hide Wilby from his father and helps Wilby <laughs> get away. Even though uh once you know, dad figures it out. He actually uh, figures out that there's a dog because, like you said, he starts scratching himself. <laughs> His allergies start acting up. I I like um, that Moochie is constantly going, I'll take care of you, boy. It's okay. You'll be all right. Like, he's talking to him like he's a real dog <laughs> instead of <Yes>. his brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can I say, like, I like Kevin Corcoran. Uh, he's, he's kind of funny. But... Range is not exactly his his forte because watching him in this after having seen Toby Tyler, I'm like he's pretty much the exact same guy. Yeah, I didn't think so. I'll disagree on that. Really? Yeah. What did he do different here? Um, he did a lot different. He was more he was more like helping the brother get into trouble than than he was the one causing all the trouble. The other. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> he definitely has the one uh, one vocal pattern, though. You know what I mean? Like the like what you were just saying, Todd, where he was saying, like, you know, I'll help you, boy. It's the same way he was talking to Mr. Stubbs and Toby <laughs> Tyler. Well, if you think about it, without poor Moochie, they would have never solved the case. <laughs> it's true. It's right. true. Because what you expect from the horror slash sitcom film is a spy drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah the horror the horror slash sitcom with the romantic triangle that all of a sudden becomes the spy drama more accurately. But yeah, so so Moochie helps Wilby escape because yeah. Wilson uh, Daniels, his father, breaks out the gun and starts shooting after the dog. Uh, he escapes to Francesca's, gets into the, you know, gets into the kitchen, and they try. And, he tries to steal the bacon off of the skillet because he hasn't had any breakfast. Yes, uh, but the poor guy gets kibble instead, and he eats it. It's true, he does. But uh, you know, Francesca's all upset because Chiffon got away, or at least so she thinks. And so she asks the butler to lock him in a, lock him away, and you know, take care of him. Uh, and the butler locks him under the stairs. <laughs> Wilby can't can't figure out how to get out, but he wakes up as a boy and then you know takes the screwdriver and you know unlocks the door and manages to escape. Where so like the door is completely off its hinges and there's Chiffon has reappeared because they've split their essence again. And he has the screwdriver in his mouth when the butler comes back through, giving the butler the impression that the dog managed to use the screwdriver to pry the door off its hinges. So that part was funny. <laughs> that was the one joke in the movie I laughed at. <laughs> Can we just say that? I mean, like, I don't know what you guys thought, but just taking a pause here, like, this is supposed to be a comedy. It wasn't very funny. Yeah, the missile interceptor is the only thing that got me. <laughs> At the beginning, yes. Yeah, that was. <laughs> the only thing that was funny to me was the two girls fighting over will be when the dancing. That was that was good. That was good. Yeah. That was enjoyable. 
it felt like it was from a different movie, but yes. Yeah. It was a nice oasis in the middle of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so Wilby, Wilby manages to get away, get away, and Buzz comes over later that night, as Wilby has still, you know, remained a, a human, thank goodness for him, and... He says, you know, I asked Allison and Francesca to the dance, so can you help me? Can you come with us to the dance? And you can pretend that you're dating, you know, that your date is one of the girls, and I'll kind of pass them back and forth. And if I'm Wilby, as Wilby does, I would protest, but in the end, he goes along with it. So they go to the dance, and Buzz, the con that he runs, is he tells each girl that Wilby is in love with you, but he's too shy to ask. So the girl then goes and starts, you know, first it's it's Allison, then it's Francesca, and then it's Allison, then it's Francesca, just like Cheryl said. They're going back and forth fighting over Wilby, basically, because all the because they see each other doing it, and so they don't want to And, the, the and there's a third girl. There's a third girl. Yes, random blonde girl that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's yes, a Paul Revere dance? I, I'm assuming it's a it's a dance where the women tap in or tap out somebody. We they should have had Gretchen. Yeah. We should have had, we should have asked Gretchen. <laughs> I, I will ask her, but I don't know that she knows. It's just like it was like sort of polka e music, right? But they're but then they're square dancing. Yes. Yeah. I I didn't have another way to explain that. <laughs> no, I don't think there is one. It's, you're right. It's like a square dance polka. All right. But yes, so of course, as things are going great for Wilby, and his father's all proud of him because he's got the girls chasing him, um, Wilby turns into a dog again. Yeah. That happens. It's very unfortunate for him. Although I like how um, Moochie has to like wave him off the dance floor like he's having a grand old time and doesn't realize he's turning into a dog. Yes. I'm not really sure how you don't realize that you're growing fur. Sometimes, you know, things happen and you get distracted. I mean, you know, he's wrapped up in the girls. I, okay, I don't know either, but I was just trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, so he has to run away and he, he runs, you know, Francesca chases him, Buzz chases him. He manages to run away and calls his father from the phone uh, later as a dog and, and asks if he could stay with Buzz for the night. But he's fired by a policeman. He is. Yes, in front of Sergeant Hansen again. Uh, before that happens, though, uh, they're running through the parking lot, right? There are a lot yes. more cars in that parking lot than there are people inside that dance. That's a yes. good point. I mean, there's like four cars per person, basically, near as I could figure out. Well, they didn't believe in carpooling back in those days, which would be my guess. That's all I got for you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so uh, he manages to get back to uh, Francesca's house, right? Because as Chiffon, that's where he has to go. He can't go back to his own house. And so he goes back to Francesca's house. Buzz manages to walk in Francesca. Because he explains the whole thing and confesses about the whole, you know, I, I had both of you guys there and, and all this. And still, Buzz manages to charm his way back into Francesca's house. And he starts lying to Francesca, saying that, like, Wilby's the troublemaker and he's doing all sorts of, you know, that Wilby was the one that came up with the idea, prompting Wilby the dog to attack Buzz. <laughs> like, viciously attack him. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of scary. I, I mean, if you think about it, how did they get the, how did they get the real dog? So let's let's uh, from an acting perspective, did they what did they smear the real dog in like bacon to get him to do that? The guy, the guy in bacon to get the dog to do that? I don't know, but I mean, like he he goes after him like pretty hard. It really does. So that that prompts Buzz to leave. Buzz, you know, Francesca kicks him out. And here's where we take the violent left turn in the story. <laughs> yes. Be because, like, to this point, it's a not particularly great, you know, family comedy type movie. All of a sudden, 
you know, Francesca leaves and, and will be the dog, here's a guy coming in and talking with the professor about how they're going to smuggle Section 32 out of the country from the missile base. This is the part that I turned on when I was in my hotel room and I'm watching this going, I must have hit the wrong movie. <laughs> How long did it take you to realize that you were? Well, actually, I guess not too long because he changes back in like a second, right? Right, but I still... Well, no, he doesn't change back in this part. Oh, you're right, he doesn't. That's right. It's later on he does. He comes back, you're right. Right, no, he goes down the laundry chute instead and, and to, to escape. Um, he goes down the laundry chute and then has to, like, pile up, you know, boxes and things to get out and go to tell Moochie what's going on. But... It's just bizarre because, like, the whole thing has been set up about this love triangle and, you know, the antagonism between he and his father and he's turning into a dog and how's he going to get out of the situation. And all of a sudden, rather than him being a dog or not a dog, the most important thing in the movie is Section 32. For the next 40 minutes. Yeah. It's a lot. I agree. When he sees Moochie again, uh, Moochie is uh, reading a Dell comic book because uh, as part of a cross-promotion, Dell ended up making a comic book of this movie. So they put what it takes. They got to show one of their comic books in the movie as a result. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it, it also happens to be uh, Uncle Scrooge number 18. I don't think I've read that. I might, I might have to find that. I don't know if it's Land of the Pygmy Indians. It might be one of those ones that's hard to find. Yes, so Wilby tells Moochie the information. Moochie then goes to tell his dad, and but his dad's not convinced, you know, not, not at all convinced of what's going on until, the, until Wilby walks in as the dog to tell his dad, and his dad's reading the paper. And it's not until Wilby finally reaches out with his paw and shakes his hand that he's convinced that this is actually going on. <laughs> uh. oh. Silly, silly movie. Yes, and, and so then all of a sudden it becomes the Fred McMurray show for like the next 20 minutes. Right, like yes. the next, what, 15, 20 minutes is like Fred McMurray trying to convince the authorities that he's not crazy and that Section 32 is in danger. And as soon as he mentions the classified information, they, like, drag him away to consult with Paul Fries, the psychiatrist, who's convinced that he's not only crazy, but he does know classified information. We, we forgot to discuss that uh, Wilby's been captured at this point. Has he? Uh, yeah, well, he, as a dog, he gets, ca- he gets dragged back into the house by the butler. He's oh, with yes, Mucci, he, He's okay. with Moochie, then he gets dragged back into the house. Right. Yes. Right. As as Moochie and, and, and Wilson are leaving, yes, he he manages to get to get dragged back into the house. But we ignore him for a good fifteen minutes. Indeed. The shaggy dog disappears from his own story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> like you said, it, it, it's the it's the all about dad show at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, it's all Fred. I'm guessing they just had to give Fred McMurray a little more because he doesn't do a whole lot in the beginning of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I'm assuming they had to, you know, entice him with some more juicy parts to the film because he doesn't really do much. Right, he's not He's not the star of this movie, and he is a star. At, like, this is the heyday of his stardom. So, this, right. you know, the 50s and the 60s are his heyday, so... Yes, but it's, I mean, we spend a good long while with him in the interrogation and, you know, consulting with the psychiatrist and they ultimately, <laughs> you know, my favorite part, honestly, of the entire movie is when Moochie throws him under the bus. It, yes. <laughs> Moochie. How could you because, do this? Because <laughs> yeah. Moochie ultimately has figured out, like, they're not going to let him go, so I'm going to have to go and take care of this. So he's just like, oh, no, Dad's crazy. <laughs> right. Now, despite that Dad and Moochie go through this weirdness at the secret agency, because they never say it's like the FBI or anyway, it's just they're, all the doors say secret agent on them if you look, like read them closely and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the, it, it does work. 
despite that they end up being questioned like that, because one of the, the guy goes, well, you know, he did know about Section 32, so we better go do something. We better go over there and make sure everything's actually okay, but we try True. and figure out what's actually going on, because that's what actually, you know, starts the ball rolling to actually get stuff uh, moving faster. Yes. It's true. It's true. Yeah, and then we, we flash back to Wilby. This is what we were talking about earlier, where he's as a dog sitting in the room while they're discussing, while the spies are discussing Section 32, Francesca's father and the, the other guy that had come to him, and he returns to human form, and they catch him, tie him up, and throw him in the closet, grab Francesca, and say, okay, we've got to get out of here because somebody's figured us out. Right. Well, because they've stolen, they've stolen whatever it is they're supposed to be stealing from Section 32, and it's hidden inside a pocket watch. Yes. Yes. And the I candlestick what that could be. in the lobby. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's that type of movie, so, you know, that's why I keep going back to that. Um, it's, it's some kind of movie. It's some kind of movie. Uh, yeah, the, I, the psychiatrist thing that they go through, too, because it kind of like, it goes, it's going back and forth between these two scenes for a little bit during the movie, where, where the bad guys are talking and the good guys are questioning Right, right, yeah, and I I like how uh, so this Paul freezes on screen role, right? Correct. Uh, and and I like how he's diagnosing lycanthropy and trying to explain what that all is, uh, because and he's not diagnosing the supernatural thing; he's diagnosing the psychological disorder that because there actually is a lycanthropy psychological disorder. Um, <laughs> So that's what's going on. But I like how uh, this is where they make the reference to uh, I was a teenage werewolf where he said, don't be ridiculous, my son isn't any werewolf. He's just a big, baggy, stupid-looking, shaggy dog. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely playing off of, uh, I was, yeah, I was a teenage werewolf for sure. Yep. But yes, so Wilby uh, is, is tied up in, in Francesca's house and Moochie, like we said, throws dad under the bus and manages to be taken home by one of the officers. And he go, he, he doesn't see Wilby at his house, so he goes over to Francesca's house and he's the one that manages to free Wilby. Uh, just in time for Wilby to turn back into a dog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's very inconvenient, this whole back and forth transformation thing. It is. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's p- the plot of the movie. <laughs> yes. I don't like it. <laughs> well, such as it is with the plot, because it depends on which plot you want to follow, because there's about five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, though, at least we're not being brought back to the creepy room. That is true. This is true. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. No, that, that would have been bad. Yeah. So the... The dog steals Buzz's car. Yeah, the dog drives Buzz's car, chases the spies in Buzz's car. Yes. And then eventually, Hanson, Sergeant Hanson, sees the dog driving the car, and he starts chasing the dog. Uh-huh. He radios in to police headquarters, and they're like, "That you're not chasing a dog, you're crazy. Sends other officers after him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the dog driving? Um, the the dog is not in real life actually driving the car. They actually, you know, have like a guy like cut away like inside the car, almost right. like lying down. But the dog is actually sitting in the car. That's the actual dog actor. They, they modified the car in such a way that the dog could sit upright in it. And they actually put in a seatbelt covered in fur that mimicked the dog so that you can't tell the dog is seatbelted in so he'll, be, he'll continue to sit upright. Wow. You would never get away with that now. No, you couldn't. Also, um, when they're driving the car and, like, the dog is, like, hanging his head out the window for a little bit, like, that's, like, you know, natural. Like, they didn't do anything for the dog to do that. It just kind of did that. Because it looks really cool when he's, like, driving along and he's, like, got his head, you know, hanging off the side. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, here's another instance where it goes on for way too long because, like, Hanson is radioing back to headquarters and then they radio to the other cop and then the other cop starts chasing them and like we, we're on Hanson and the other cops for a good five or six minutes but then they stop 
and they get the dog out of the car, and he's frisking the dog, and then the dog steals the cop car, and then they chase the cop car in Buzz's car instead. Yes. <laughs> and, and can someone tell me what the point of that was? I, I don't, just, to, I think just to get the two very large police officers to cram into the small jalopy. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing otherwise. Okay, alright. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, yeah, so this, this wild chase ends as, you know, and, uh, ends at the boat Murray's docks. character Wilson, yeah, they get to the boat docks. He comes <laughs> as well, and he's being chased by the police. Because he's spouting off about Section 32 again. And we don't really know how he got free, do we? I, well, he show, oh, he shows back up at home. Right? Oh, so when right. They, they drop him off at home and then he and Moochie come. He, he Moochie and Buzz get in their car, get in Dad's car to chase after, <laughs> after Wilby, who's a dog driving the car. Then the cops happen and then the cars switch and then the other cops come up and then all four cars get into the cop car and Buzz's car is left on the side of the road. Which Buzz must have driven past, right? Buzz's whole reason for getting in the car with Dad Moochie was to get his own car back. They must have passed by it on the side of the road to get to the docks because they all end up at the docks anyway. It's true. You, you really need like a spreadsheet to keep track of this last like 20 minutes. Yes. Oh, and, and, and the secret agents show up too. Yes, and the, the secret agents and the spies and everybody and, the, and the police captain and like all of town and the entire yes. day all, all show up at the docks. Yeah, so the spies get on the boat with Francesca. Wilby manages to jump onto the boat. And they're fighting Wilby the dog off, and Francesca gets knocked overboard. Wilby jumps into the sea to save her and, and pulls her ashore. And Buzz, you know, pretends that he rescued her when Wilby did. And it's Wilby who attacks Buzz, like, again, <laughs> just like he did earlier. But this now he turns back to human. So I think we're supposed to know that this is that act of heroism that turns him back into human permanently, but they never really say that. It's unclear. Yeah. Yes. Which is why I'm assuming there's a sequel to this movie. You know, what, 17 years later? <laughs> Something like that. 76, I think it was. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was, but and it, it, it's the same character and everything, right? In, yeah, it's Dean Jones. Yeah, Shaggy D. And I believe he's playing Wilby Daniels. Yeah. yeah. But yes, that's that's the big deal. You know, Chiffon magically appears nearby, and Francesca's grateful. And, you know, Wilson Daniel is, is praised for going to the cops for being, you know, and telling them about Section 32. <laughs> the dog is praised. And all of a sudden, he's over, you know, his allergies for the dog, and, you know, is getting his picture taken with the dog in his home. Uh and agrees to adopt the dog as Francesca goes away to school. I like how when they show the newspaper covers, like one newspaper... So if you remember back at the beginning, right, he was upset because a dog had gotten a medal, right? Right. Okay, all the way at the beginning. So now they show newspapers, and they show three of them. The first one is all about him, right? And then the second one's all about the dog, and then the third one is about how the two of them and their combined forces defeated the spy ring. So, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Oh, no, I know. It's, it works. He doesn't get the medal, yes. though. He did. The, the dog gets the medal. Wilson does not. Uh, but they, he ends up with the medal, and, uh, you know, Wilby and Buzz end up trying to go back to Allison. But unfortunately, new guy comes along and, and picks her up at the end of the right. movie instead. Oh, and so. Francesca has gone back to France, right? And the dog now lives. And the dog, right? Yeah. I can see what you said though, Todd, about like how it was, you know, set up to be a TV show, because like at the very beginning, that's clearly what it is, and then it seems like they tacked the spy stuff onto the end because they needed to fill out a whole movie. That you know what? That's probably the case. I mean. It, it's hard to say. I mean, well, these are the two kids who played, um, I'm trying to remember, what did they, Spin and Marty, right? Yeah. Okay. And on the uh, Mickey Mouse Club, it was one of the shorts there, you know, and like like you were saying, I mean, these are all, Annette Fotocello comes from the Mickey Mouse Club, uh, Moochie was 
not in the main club, but he was always on all the little shorts that they did on the side. He was never one of the stage right. guys doing the singing and dancing. Um, and so they're all already worked together, basically, is my point. So it's not all surprising that that was the way this was initially supposed to go. And honestly, I, despite all its faults, when you look at how well the movie did, and you think about uh, movies were very reserved at this point in time, right? In the 50s, live action movies. That's true. Okay. I mean, they're not... They're, it's not like there's bad movies. It's just like the way they presented themselves was always in a much more rigid manner, uh, which is why I feel like I love Fred McMurray. Don't get me wrong when I say this, folks, but uh, he is he is the epitome of a rigid actor. Even when he yes. delivers, even when he delivers humor that's funny, it's still he himself appears stiff. Okay, so I mean, like like there's humor. Moments that I feel are supposed to be super humorous in this that might not play as well, like in the very, very beginning when the rocket is blasting off and he starts pouring himself tea to calm himself down, right? The, you know, yes. little, little things like that that are strewn throughout the movie. Um, I'm not sure they play as well because of him and because he's not the star. Because I think that his level of acting shines when he is the star. See, I disagree. Okay. I kind of thought the opposite. I kind of thought the character was so rigid and so, like, type A, I guess, right? I don't know what type it is. Some type character. A sounds good. Um, that I thought that he was, you know, trying the best to be the character. And not, in in the character really didn't have that much growth within him. Except at the end, and I really saw it at the end. That's when I really saw, I thought, Fred Shine because the character changes. It's like, oh, hey, I'll take a picture with the dog now and stuff like that. So, I'd have to say, I thought it was more the way the character was, and I think the characters limited, limited him, not the other way around. Like, he limited the character. Maybe it's because he shines better on screen when he's with animals. Let's let's think about this for a second, right? My three cents had a dog, <laughs> right? When True. he switches to ha hanging out with the dog, he does better. There are alligators in Happiest Millionaire. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, does it right? explain Follow Me Boys, though? There's a dog in Follow Me Boys. There is? Oh, not for very long, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, there there could be, you know, something there. I don't know. I think Cheryl's onto something. It's it's possible. I think I think it could be another conspiracy theory. <laughs> Dude, this is Todd's conspiracy theory, not mine. <laughs> I'm just saying I thought he was good. Yeah, I, well, that's the funny thing, right? I think everybody in the, in the film actually did a pretty a pretty decent job of a good performance. I, I just think what they were given to work with probably wasn't the best. You know what I mean? I I, I thought every, all the acting was was pretty good. Yeah, I. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I agree. I mean, you have to put it in perspective, right? Like you're not you're not getting Oscar winning performances, of course. But for for what it is, a you know a silly family comedy. I mean, they they did pretty good jobs. Yeah, but often Oscar winning performances require an Oscar level script, which this is not. No. no. But but you know, back to my point is, I think that that. The, that this movie was, must have been so different than what came out at the time that that was why it did so well. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can also see that people probably had a good affection for these stars too, right? Because they had been, you know what, the Mickey Mouse Club had been on TV for four or five years at that point. Um, I would not know for sure, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I would, I would think so, because it came on before 55, I know that much. Um, so it has to have, had to have been on for at least four or five years, you know, and I would assume, you know, Walt Disney Pictures obviously had been very successful before this as well. So I, I wonder if it's just a case of, like you said, it's a little different, it's got people I know, it's by Walt Disney, and, you know, you put all that together, 
and you come up with something that's, that, that turns out to be pretty big. It's not like it's held in high regard in retrospect. No. No, it's... It, yeah, like, like you said, I mean, one thing is, is I think it's like one of those movies that everybody should see because people talk about it a lot. Yeah. But I think once you've seen it once, you're not necessarily going back to it again immediately. If ever. If ever. <laughs> if ever. <laughs> yes. Although I, I will have to say, like this, this keeps the trend up of Disney uh, films with dogs in, with dogs as the lead that we don't necessarily enjoy. Yeah. It just, I, the next time we see Disney making a film with a dog as a lead, I think we should march on the studio and take it over. <laughs> All right. So, uh, anything else to add before we wait? No. I'm disappointed that um, that although Buzz got a comeuppance with the with the girl with the net driving off the guy, I was kind of sad for Wilby because he didn't really do anything. Wilby was a good guy. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I just didn't understand the. Like the drive, I understand the drive off for Buzz, but she could have said like it could. She could have had like Wilby and her him could Wilby and her could have driven off together. I think that would have been better. Into the sunset. Yes. So, so what Cheryl's saying is that that she was upset that Wilby didn't get the girl. I can understand that. I can completely understand. That's true. There is no, for something that built up that there was some sort of love angle going on, they didn't complete a love angle because both girls are gone at the end. Yeah. That's well, true. Yeah, they didn't pay off any of the, the first hour of the movie. They basically trashed for the whole spy plot. That's right. I also wanted to mention that I have a, uh, a favorite other podcast uh, called Miss, Stuff You Missed in History Class. And I wanted to say that if people want to learn more about the Borgia family and Lucrezia Borgia, they can, they have tons of episodes about that. Also, I think Scooby-Doo did one, too. <laughs> Scooby-Doo probably did. I think that painting I do think that painting I saw in the Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> That's so cool. All right, so ratings. I'm going to let Cheryl go first because I want to see if she goes um, higher than zero. Um, I'm gonna go half star. <laughs> they made a movie. <laughs> Bree? I'm actually gonna give this a two because they tried. I, I really do have to give them credit for that. They did try. It is Fred McMurray, you know, he, he does do a pretty good job. Um, not really believable on the hating dogs aspect of it, but um you know, there were some funny moments, and despite the, the ugly transformation scene, I don't know, I thought the cast's chemistry was pretty good. So, But, but you know, I, I wouldn't watch it, if ever. Again, maybe with my the child I would someday hopefully have. Um, you know, but not for a long, long time, so. Yeah, a two. All right, Todd, what'd you think? Hmm... I'm guessing for overall that I probably enjoy this movie more than everybody else does. <laughs> I'm going to say that's probably true. That's probably true. Um, I don't know. It's just, I like really silly, campy stuff, you know, from just how I am. So, um, hmm, how many stars, though? How many stars, though? I, I can't conscionably, though, rate this higher than two and a half. That's fair. Because, it, because, it, because it's not a great movie. It's just, like, fun to me to watch because I think it's kitschy. I can understand that. Um, I would act, I'm actually going to give it a one because it's not funny enough for me. Like, I could deal with the crazy out-of-left-field plot twist if it was just a silly, funny movie, and then I could probably give it a three. But, like, I didn't... It wasn't funny. I, I wanted more humor and more 
you know, like, oh, silly things happening and, you know, crazy stuff. And, like, all kinds of crazy things happen, but it's taken seriously. And then you've got the spy stuff. And, like we said, they drop all the plots, you know, an hour into the movie and go with this other stuff instead. I, I just, it, it was painful. It was hard to get through, I have to say. So, I will not be watching The Shaggy Dog again anytime soon. All right, so that will do it for our look at The Shaggy Dog, the 1959 version. I'm sure we will touch on the 2006 version soon, because uh, you know how we love our movies with dogs in them. Uh, but until next week, if you guys want to stay in touch with us, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, at Diz Film Project, or you can check us out. We are also on Facebook, Disney Film Project, or, of course, head over to the website, DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can see the show notes for the show as well as lots of other stuff, so make sure you check that out. All right, so uh, until next week, folks, uh, don't go into the creepy room and uh, find out about the Borges with the crazy professor. Just just take our, take our word for it. Don't do that. All right, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. I'm sick and tired of financing your romances. There's nothing wrong with girls. They're character building. Gee, Wilby, you know, I like you much better as a dog. Well, I guess we've officially entered the rocket age, hip-hop. Mm-hmm.